the Intersection Education Podcast. Schools are the place where different institutions, services, and societal influences meet. In other words, they're at the intersection of children's lives. In the Intersection Education Podcast, we speak with insiders and outsiders of the education world to try to gain new insight and improve our schools. Welcome to the Intersection Education Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Haley. And welcome to our 2019 Year in Review episode, where we're going to talk about all of the amazing interviews that we had over the past year, 27 in all, actually. And we'll probably end up with talking about some of the things that are getting us excited for 2020, some of the things we're looking forward to. Now, I want to start off this episode by thanking everyone who has listened to an episode, maybe a few episodes, or every single episode. You really help make this show what it is and uh, do its common purpose. When we started the show, essentially what we wanted to do was uh, get great learning out to other educators and hopefully do our little part to improve learning around the world. And so by listening, you're helping us do that. So thank you so much. This uh, year was really exciting. Again, like I said, 27 episodes, which is about one every couple weeks, which is uh, kind of our goal when we're looking at episodes. And uh, we started off the year, if you'll remember last year, with uh, a good friend of ours, George Kuros. Uh, I had the pleasure of teaching with George uh, back when he was part of Parkland School Division. We talked a lot about his book, The Innovator's Mindset. Now, uh, he... George has, has made an amazing career for himself. I mean, he is touring the, the globe, um, speaking with educators all over. And I think that he has some really powerful things to say about better education, about dealing with change, and about thinking about the world that our students are going to live in uh, down the road and working down the road, a world that we probably can't even conceive. And so I know that I... Um, took away a lot from, from the conversation I had with him. Um, he, he's out there so much that oftentimes I think that the Twitter persona George gets away with the actual physical presence of George. And every time I sit down with George, I, uh, I am reminded just what a, what a thoughtful person he is and how I truly believe he, he's just in it for the, the right reasons, which is better learning, better education. And uh, if you want to check out uh, our conversation, I, I think it was, was really quite good. And I think that he, he brings really something valuable. And so that was where we started. And it just, you know, it, it continued along with that. And so our episode 33 was with the Dean of the Faculty of Education at the University of Alberta, Dr. Jennifer Tupper. And we were talking a lot about how universities train future teachers. And it was fascinating to me to listen to some of the thought processes that she had. Um, Two of the big themes that came out that perhaps aren't big themes for someone going through education right now, but were quite different than when I was going through, was the idea of setting future teachers up so that they have a sense of Indigenous education and Indigenous perspectives. Uh, I, I know that, you know, 20 years when I was going through my undergrad uh, university teaching education, 
that was not really mentioned. Uh, it was it was much before that, and, and I want to. It's it's actually quite nice to see that that students are coming in with this learning, with this ability to speak from an informed perspective and uh, a perspective around how do we include all these people um, who are so integral to our Canadian experience. And I know that other places, Australia, the United States, will, 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 I think, also have a lot of good things when they incorporate these Indigenous perspectives. The other thing that I was surprised and, and not surprised to see, but glad to see, was um, the forward work that they're doing on LGBTQ plus uh, perspectives and incorporating uh, teaching around uh, issues of acceptance and non-discrimination. It was really interesting to see the U of A being a front runner in all of that. Now, other things that uh, maybe we don't think about is is she kind of intimated at how the process of a university works. And we often think that you can go in somewhere and shake everything up and, um, you know, with one, f- one swoop of the hand, kind of change an education program. Uh, she intimated that that wasn't necessarily the case. There's a lot of checks and balances and there's a lot of people that it goes through. And so I really appreciated her being open and honest and I'm really hopeful for the future of the University of Alberta. In episode 34, we talked with my good friend Justin Jackson and this was the first uh, interview we had of the year of someone who is not maybe a classroom educator or someone who's not trained as a classroom educator. And Justin, if you don't know um, uh, or didn't listen to the podcast, he was more on the adult education side. So for a long time, he actually developed courses for adults around uh, computer and uh, marketing programming, and he sold them. And so he had a little bit of a different perspective on how do you engage adults in, especially online learning, how do you engage adults when they are motivated to do something and how do they improve? And he had a lot of really good things to say, and I think some lessons that he learned along the way in a creation of something for public consumption. Here's some things that I really like about Justin. He creates something Every single day, uh, which means that every day that he is alive, he's putting something out there into the world and not just passively consuming. And I think that that habit of creation is really important. I think that it can sometimes just not just out of some of these ruts that we get where we are always just almost programmed um, to, to consume, to read, and he challenges us to go the other way and say, no, put something out there. And so this is really quite interesting. The other thing that I uh, appreciated about Justin was he opened up and shared a lot about his mental health struggles and some lessons that he learned. He, uh, you know, was, was for all intents and purposes from his perspective, a normal functioning adult and had a, an episode of depression. And he advocates for people being open about that and also to seek help if you ever find yourself kind of in a, in a, in a situation where your mental health is declining. Yeah, one of the things that he often says is to find a therapist and to uh, develop a relationship with that therapist before you have anything that is uh, difficult or you need to deal with any of these mental health issues. And so I really appreciate that. And I think that it might help some other people out there. Episode 35 was with Dr. Kate Story, who works also as an assistant professor at the University of Alberta, but this time in the School of Public Health. And so 
I found that interview incredibly interesting because the main focus of Dr. Story's research is how to improve the overall health of families and of communities. And you know where they focus? They focus on schools. And she looks at ways that schools can intervene, what they can do to have the best chance of having positive outcomes for health, not only immediately, but down the road. So how do we teach kids about their own health? And so uh, she has been the author or co-author of some really, really great resources. And um, this idea of comprehensive school health is uh, quite outstanding. There is a, a lot of free resources that are available. All you need to do is go to the website and check them out, or even just Google uh, Comprehensive School Health Alberta Canada, and, and you'll get that. The um, The approach, like I said, is, is freely available. She's even done some kind of video stuff, and, and she's looking at getting more into that to make it more accessible as how do we disseminate this research. And um, I also really liked some of the books that she that she kind of um, gave out. Now, it's always, uh, whenever I asked about books, a lot of people will go purely professional or, or, or maybe not purely personal. And she had a little bit of both, in, including some of the things that she likes to read to her daughter, which is Ada Twist Scientist. And uh, that got me hooked, uh, not hooked, but that got me interested in that one. And I actually picked that one up for, for my kids. And so um, Kate's story, great interview. And learned a lot around how do we promote health from a long-term perspective in schools. In episode 36, we talked with Jennifer Gaffrera, who was the principal or is the principal in a leading STEM school. And so uh, her school looked at how do we go and integrate STEM uh, as uh, that's uh, science, technology, engineering and mathematics into our school programming and what are some of the lessons that they learned through that process well it was a really great conversation thinking about how do we make this learning visible how do we live this learning and uh, what are some of the trials and tribulations they went along the way the first one that was really interesting to me was that they saw that communication is still really important. Everyone thinks that when you go to STEM, it takes away from English and from language and maybe even some of the arts. And she found one of their first lessons that that was not the case. In fact, they had to go out and hire an art teacher so that that person could help their students communicate their learning around science, technology, engineering, and mathematics in different ways, visual ways, how they could um, increase their ability to communicate in all different ways so that they could, um, again, meet these standards. And I, I thought that that was really interesting. We don't often think of, um, uh, of arts being a part of that, but we see how it can be an integral part of just how we communicate. And so I really appreciate that. In episode 37, we had Superintendent Rob Hill, who is a superintendent of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Now, we talk a lot about the relationships in some of our interviews, and this is a big relationship that schools have, and that's with the police. Um, When things go down, when things go very wrong, Um, they are our absolute partners and it doesn't need to go very wrong for us to partner with them. Um, A lot of the education, a lot of the relationships that exist should be fostered uh, before things are are down that path of too late. And he talked a lot about 
um, how schools and the RCMP are really concentrated on the relationships with kids and how by fostering those great relationships and having uh, helping them make good choices or maybe intervening when it's a small problem, we will avoid these large problems down the road. Um, he, uh, I really appreciated uh, Rob's perspective because he had worked in small rural and fly-in communities. He had worked in large municipalities, mostly suburban. And uh, shortly after our interview, I don't want to say it's because of our interview, but he got a, a big promotion. And now he's, uh, he's moved up the hierarchy of the RCMP. And we're really happy for him, even if that means that uh, he won't be around our area anymore. And so that's really great. The last thing that he did mention, and we talked a little bit, about, was uh, RCMP Depot, which, if you are unaware, is the college for all RCMP officers. And the kind of shift that they undertook from a quasi-military, and they still are quasi-military, but to a much more education university uh, approach, and, and how that shifted uh, the expectations of learning around adults. And so, great interview. In episode number 38, we had Dr. Marion Small, who is renowned uh, in Canada and beyond for her work in numeracy and mathematics. Um, she seems to, at times, attract a, a, a lot of controversy uh, between people who uh, are looking for math to be as they experienced it, which is a lot of rote learning, a lot of memorization. And Dr. Small was very, very clear. She doesn't uh, advocate for a stop to all that, but I think that the biggest takeaway from Dr. Small's work is that we also need to have understanding. We also need to know what are the processes of of actually solving real-life questions. And uh, I think that that was one of the big things that I took away. She... Uh, she shared some of the work that she'd been doing, um, this idea around the three-part lesson, and the uh, information is available on our website as well. And um, even even the the question around inclusion in mathematics is, is something that we uh, talked about, and this idea of you know teaching in a in a classroom that is has multiple different levels of learning. Now, we had, in episode 39, one of the two roundtable discussions that we had between myself, uh, Dr. Randy Hetherington, and Bryn Spence, and I really appreciate these conversations and, and the feedback that we were getting from you, from our listeners, is they do too. This is where we bring uh, actual issues of, of leaders in schools, and, and we kind of discuss them uh, in, a, in a collaborative way, and uh, if you don't have, or, or if you're looking for uh, I would recommend that you look for uh, a group of people that you can actually ask these questions and, and, and toss ideas out to. Uh, you'll, If you listen or if you've listened to our episodes, we range in topics from big to small and left to right and everything. And it's interesting how we have a frame of reference because of lived experience, but we also have different perspectives. And that was really um, helpful when I'm dealing with problems. And I, like I said, I really um, encourage you to look for a group of uh, collaborators, of friends and allies who can help you work through difficult questions if you're a leader in a school. Because we know that this, uh, I find it extremely helpful when I'm trying to solve problems. Episode 40 was with Tal Thompson, also known as Tal Tal. And uh, he talked about really building character and academics. Oftentimes we look at 
character development as separate from the academic development. And he argues that both of these things need to go hand in hand. So how we teach people to be good people, how we teach students to be good people, will actually help them be academic focused and over the long term more successful. And those two things need to go really hand in hand. He also talks about the idea that we need to have confidence in order to be available to learn. Uh, This totally makes sense to me. I mean, you have a kid or a student who uh, believes they can't learn or is just overall not confident with their ability to navigate life. Well, they're not going to be very successful. I really appreciated his thing and his and his optimism and man his energy and so uh, it was a great interview uh, and it was a great talk and I walked away with that just feeling like I could conquer uh, some of the problems that that we were facing and, and get out there. Episode forty one was with Janelle Allen again uh, a great person who has worked in a long time engaging adults and learning. I really appreciate people who have different perspectives on learning, especially around adults, because as leaders in schools, our job is less about teaching students and shifts more towards how we might engage the adults in learning. How do we help them to become better versions of themselves? And so the, uh, the interview with Janelle Allen was, was a lot about that. Um, she started out as an instructional designer, and she designs custom online courses. And then she's really moved into helping others develop those online courses. So what are the basics of great online courses? What are some of the things that she brings people through when she's consulting? How do you... How do you, as a course designer, take your course and make it better? And so I really, really liked her perspective. And I thought that, um, you know, making, getting these lived experiences, getting these little lessons that she's learned throughout working with other people has got a lot of help around, you know, engagement. How do you develop understanding? Even how do you create community? We talked a lot about Uh, online communities, which um, the lessons go to not online, so person-to-person communities, and uh, how that can be a really powerful tool in helping to engage adults when they have a group and they have relationships and connection. Episode 42 was with Brian Torrance, who is the president of EverActive Schools. Uh, He's the director, sorry, of EverActive Schools. Their whole mission is to initiate new, maybe innovative projects that really support health and wellness in Alberta around children and youth. They are trying to get kids active, healthy, and well. And uh, he has, uh, um, I, I keep saying that these people have amazing perspective, which is, I guess is why they're on the, on the show. But, but I really, again, appreciate him and him sharing the, the conversations that he's had. Brian goes around our province, speaks with people about what they're doing that will make students healthier, more well. He talks with people about the problems they face and what the solutions they have come up with to overcome them. And he works with a lot of organizations in a role where sometimes it is underappreciated because 
education often has this perspective that, you know, health isn't our deal. We deal with the learning and health can go deal with health. And he really just sees this community aspect or this idea of interconnection as the solution there. How do we work together, different agencies, different organizations, to increase the community's overall well-being? And that includes both physical and mental. And so I... um, yeah, I, I really liked uh, what he had to say and some of those lessons that he learned in working with different educational actors around Alberta. In episode 43, we talked with Diane Lander about concept-based instruction. Now, at the time, if you're not uh, in the Alberta region, uh, concept-based instruction was going to be really the driver of a new curriculum redesign that we were expecting to come up. And even though it has been, at least at this point, delayed, and we don't know what it's going to look at, a lot of the base ideas around concept-based instruction have been uh, supported by research and are probably great new strategies to put in place if you're a teacher or to maybe direct people if you're a school leader. And uh, she's been working really deeply and is the person that I know that had the best uh, understanding of what exactly is concept-based learning, uh, we tore into some of these practices. We looked at and she explained what are some of the differences and approaches that a um, concept-based approach might have. And she shared all of this as we went through and, and recommended some books and and some ideas. So if you're looking for a better uh, idea of concept-based instruction, absolutely. Check out our uh, interview with him, with uh, Diane. In episode 44, we talked with Dr. Jed Richardson. Again, a little bit of an outsider in education. Uh, Jed is an economist by trade. In fact, a microeconomist. But he focuses on education policy. Have you ever wondered if the money we spend in education actually makes a difference? Well, that's Jed's job, to try and evaluate through statistics and other means how or whether a educational program actually was successful in delivering good return on investment. Very fascinating and a totally different uh, approach. Jed has got a lot of lived experience through um, uh, the different programs and and, and evaluations that he has done and uh, bases his research out of the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And um, he um, really, really thought about and shared what he thought uh, maybe some surprising things were about what programs are actually helping. And uh, he seemed to indicate that Programs with a little bit more human connection, where programs where you had someone following or some sort of um, kind of like a mentorship relationship, they seemed to have a higher rate of success, even though at times um, they were quite expensive in terms of money and and how much we invested. Uh, That was really interesting to me because it confirms something that we kind of thought, and that's that relationships and having someone to turn to, a trusted adult, to help you navigate difficult situations can be really helpful. And so um, that's only one of the lessons he's learned, but uh, it was an interesting one and a powerful one. Episode 45 was with uh, Dr. Jody Carrington 
who is a clinical psychologist and works a lot in the area of education around taking care of our kids. In fact, uh, her newest book is called Kids These Days. And we talked a lot about how do we make that connection? How do we um, help teachers be the best versions of themselves in order to be accessible to their students. Uh, she shared some very particular practices about what, how she thinks school leaders could go about better supporting teachers, one of which uh, included buying a really nice meat and cheese tray and just dropping it in the uh, staff room every so often, which uh, I have to say I have taken her up on in, uh, on, a, on a few occasions. And um, I just really, really appreciate her honest and true approach to A, how difficult our job is, to be how sometimes crazy this world can be and some of the problems that we have to deal with and face as teachers. And I think that if you're looking for a refreshing approach to um, psychology, relationship-based education, all these kind of things, listen to that interview and you're going to come away really, really engaged and, and hopefully positive about what we might be able to do. In episode 46, we talked with Aaron Dblenko, and he talked a lot about innovation and how we might bring innovation to schools. Aaron was able to, through different programs, be very innovative in how they delivered programming around projects, projects with centered around citizenship, that is, giving back to our community, uh, being responsible as citizens, and then also taking care of the environment. So this idea of how do we reduce our CO2 emissions, our impact on the environment and the world around us. And he did both of these, both locally, uh, for instance, um, uh, measuring CO2 levels in schools and getting um, aquaponics uh, going in a school, but then also internationally, where they developed a project where they came up with ways to help uh, people who were victims of terrible earthquakes in Haiti and what what tangible um, things they might be able to do to improve their lives, but not just for the short term, not just uh, something they're going to use up and then throw away, something that they might be given so that they can use these products over a long term. And then even when the moment of crisis is gone, um, and, and it was students who were coming up with these ideas and doing the work and getting really engaged. And so I uh, really appreciated the passion, obviously, that he showed, but this idea of connecting with students and getting the students to connect with the subject matter so that they're really driving this work and this educational work um, around, around what they might be able to do to empower them. Um, again, you have to be flexible. You have to be open to this new and innovative way of delivering cr- uh, curriculum. But uh, it really does seem like it's something that, that might be um, reproducible and expandable. So I'm really interested in, in following that up. Episode 47 was with Richard Gerver. And we talked about his latest book, A Manifesto for Change. Now, I met Richard at the ULEAD conference in Banff and was able to sit down with him and was just really impressed with him as a educator, uh, even though it's been a little bit of a time since he's been working solely in schools. I mean, he's been kind of traveling the world, talking with other educators and now corporations and businesses uh, about about 
learning and about how we can make the world better. So he um, absolutely his passion is is there. And uh, if you if you don't know any of his story, um, kind of getting into the principalship as head teacher at a school called Grange Primary School, and really rethinking again with some innovative practices around how we might be able to engage students, how we might be able to infuse some real world situations, even though they're not real world, but we'll in, get those inside of classrooms. And so creating uh, an idea of a micro society. And um, and then looking at some of these core principles around um, the importance of communication, the importance of empowering students, and the importance of actually having impact, and that's students as well as teachers. So, you know, uh, a great... Great, again, inspirational story, but also some some small lessons that can be taken from there. Um, and so if you're looking for a little bit of that inspiration, uh, it's probably a great place to start. Our next interview was, uh, was with Langston Evans. And uh, Langston works in Madison, Wisconsin, in an AVID program, which is an Advancement via Individual Determination program. And he works in conjunction with the Madison Metropolitan School. And his story is really interesting because they've been able to increase access to college or post-secondary for students who they thought were really underrepresented. So that could be new arrivals to the United States. That could be um, uh, people, students of color. And it was interesting how about how they did that. And, you know, they identified these kids. They were able to support them in their learning at both high school and then beyond. They were able to provide assistance to not only them, but to their parents in navigating a system that they didn't really know. They were able to uh, speak with these students about navigating not only the academic system, but the entrance exams and the access to cash and to bursaries and to loans. And they were able to uh, very clearly help and have impact on students that might not traditionally be able to go to college. This is a story about, A, a community coming together because it wasn't just the school district. It was multiple different organizations coming together to, um, to have an impact on students that they felt needed that help. And then lastly, it's a story about you know, just just care. Let, let's get in and let's get to know these kids. Let's get a relationship. Let's ask them what they need. Let's let's um, learn a little bit to know what other students who are in similar situations have needed. And then let's not stop when you reach one level of schooling, which means that, you know, you might need help through a junior high and high school, but that doesn't mean that that help should stop. Those relationships, if we can, should continue through college because we know that anytime there's a transition, it can be very difficult and there's new obstacles to navigate. And so they've had made that commitment to, to really go beyond just the high school and to go and help these kids. So a really great story. Episode 50 was with uh, one of my great friends, Dr. Simon Breakspear, talking about teaching sprints and how we might impact teacher expertise. You know, we've had quite a few people over the years talk about teaching sprints and short cycle inquiry uh, because I think that it is such a powerful topic. I believe that it is one of the ways that we might be able to raise teacher expertise and, and help teachers to, to develop their craft, especially around areas that they think are important. And so he did a great job of outlining the basic 
premises of teaching sprints, of how you might be able to go through the series of organ, uh, how you might be able to organize professional learning um, in short cycles, four to six weeks, and how um, they might be able, teachers might be able to, to help themselves, which is really what you're talking about. We're not doing things to others. We are setting up the conditions so that teachers might be gain expertise and then therefore have a bigger impact on student learning. Um, and so if you're looking at that, if these seems like, uh, seems like something that you're interested in, too, uh, check out episode number 50. Now, with episode 51, we talked with Nicole Acousta about technology for learning. Nicole has been uh, working for a long time in educational technology and has many years worth of perspective around what exactly technology's role is in learning. And I always appreciate her um, perspective because she always feels like technology is the tool, education is the, is, the, is the goal, and how do we support that through? If it's better, yeah, let's use the technology, but there's all these other things. You know, this was not only my opinion, but, you know, even ISTE um, thought this was a great thing, and she recently won an award for the International Society of Technology and Education, that's ISTE, for interactive video conferencing. And, uh, I mean, it just shows that she has this idea of how do we use these tools for better learning and uh, how might we actually have an impact on student learning. And uh, she had a whole bunch of links and resources. And as you can imagine, when I asked her what was a great website or app that she used, she had uh, quite the list. But um, there's a lot of links in this particular interview. So if you're uh, interested at all, um, go to that one and and uh, you can follow the links along. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead, not ahead, but I'm going to do two at the same time. And uh, episode 52 and 54 was a series that I put together called What Great Schools Do. And we had two episodes and we're actually looking at doing some more of these throughout the coming years. And the first one we talked about teacher professional learning. It is my hypothesis and my argument that great schools have a emphasis and uh, um, a focus on teacher professional learning to continually get better. No matter where you are, if you have a high-performing school, if you have maybe a school that you believe can perform better, I believe the way to get better is through teacher professional learning, to have a learning culture. And we talk in this episode about what are some of the conditions or what are some of the things or the aspects of leading great professional learning that you might want to think about or that I think about uh, and that you might want to follow Uh, if you are looking to improve that learning culture. The second episode, which was number 54, was what great schools do, and that is how schools create places where students want to be. This is the idea of not just relationships, but security. And what are the kinds of services and opportunities and what kind of culture are you creating at your school where kids actually want to go there? where it's not a sob story or a groan or you're pulling kids in, but how do we create a magnet where kids actually want to go to your school? And I believe that if you do that, if you create schools where students want to be, uh, you're going to have a higher performance and better student impact. Now let's skip back to episode 53 with Bragg Langdale, who uh, shared with us the tips and experiences that he has learned through multiple years of actually doing physics. Now I say teaching physics, but yeah, he actually calls it 
doing physics, and he was the recipient of the Canadian Association of Physicists Award for Excellence in Teaching High School Physics for 2019. So he's got uh, a couple things to say. And what was really interesting to me was, A, his use of technology, how he creates websites with YouTube links and different interactive experiences online for all of his courses. But then also, so it's almost like a flipped classroom, but then also how he really has this focus on the experimentation and the physical kinesthetic uh, idea of doing physics. So um, the idea of, you know, physics is is all about, um, you know, energy and building and testing and analyzing. And if we only talk about doing these things or we only see pictures of doing these things, the learning is less intense and less good unless they actually build and actually test, and actually analyze, and do them from what they created. And so, you know, everything from what they were doing, the tabletop trebuchets, and analyzing how far their little projectile went, and water rockets, and and all these kind of things. Um, He really has lessons that are not only good with physics, I believe, but could also be applied in in all um, topics. And so, Brad Langdell, it was a great conversation. Episode 55 was with Lynn Leslie, who is currently in her doctorate and looking at school planning. Um, I often hear people say, you know, we have to plan. We're mandated to create these education plans. and this, uh, Sometimes they're as far as three or five years down the road. And they question the value of those and whether they actually have impact. Well, Lynn is actually looking at that question and thinking about ways that our school planning may actually have impact on student learning. So she comes up and she shares some questions around what that uh, planning process might look like, how you might be able to better tailor the whole process of developing a plan um, around what is actually important in your school. And I mean, she comes from a long line of awards. She has uh, been recognized. And I really appreciate her conversation because the idea of us as school system people doing things that do, does not have impact just seems so foreign to me. And uh, at times, we have not questioned whether this process could be better. And so uh, if you Uh, have ever been frustrated by the education planning uh, process and are looking for some different ways or questions that you might think that that has better impact, take a a look at that interview. Episode 56 was with Adrian Pickley, who was at a time uh, in uh, the former Minister of Education for the state of New South Wales in Australia. And he came up through government, was the Minister of Education for almost seven years, and then continued his involvement in education, which I think is really interesting. A lot of these politicians, they get the educational portfolio, but they don't have a lot of interest, and they have no follow-through, and it's like they do their thing, and then they're out. Well, not Adrian. He became impassioned by education and is currently serving as the director of the Gonski Institute for Education at the University of New South Wales. He even came out with a book that he recently wrote called 12 Ways Your Child Can Get the Best at a School. And you can see that this man 
although he's not a trained teacher, is just passionate about education. He talks about um, what it means or how, what it looks like when you're making decisions in a government around education, this push and pull around, you know, the, the public purse and taxation versus what we think is going to have impact. And he even talks about, you know, sometimes making difficult decisions and how sometimes you don't want to make all of the difficult decisions all at the same time. Kind of slow roll your, your people who are mad at you so that they can kind of get over it and then pick, go on to your next one. And that doesn't mean don't make difficult decisions that you think are right, but it means, you know, don't have everyone mad at you at the same time. I really actually appreciated our conversation, and I, I think that you could too. Um, if you want a little bit of perspective into something that's larger than even a school division, and that's, you know, uh, looking at how governments who have such a huge impact on education um, go about making decisions and, and, and what they think about when they're thinking about education. That was with Adrian Pickley. Episode 57 was with uh, Joey Fight, who is uh, really all about physical education. Uh, Joey's from Montreal, Quebec, uh, here in Canada, and um, has came up with an amazing resource called thephysicaleducator.com. The resources that are available on that are absolutely incredible. It is uh, one of the resources that I looked at when I was uh, uh, given the... uh, kindergarten phys ed course at our school and was kind of looking, what do I do? What I appreciate is his approach. It's this idea of physical literacy at the forefront, the idea of how do we question ourselves as educators to make amazing learning happen as opposed to just playing sports. It's this idea that a phys ed teacher is more than a sports coach around a particular sport. It is a curriculum deliverer. It is a, a pedagogue. It is all of the great teaching parts that are sometimes overlooked because we get so caught up in the fun of playing a particular sport. And uh, so I really appreciated, again, what he had to say about how we continually get better, um, how we bring different aspects of different sports, how we include all people who, at times, don't see themselves as uh, great athletes. How do we give them the confidence to be healthy? Amazing. In episode 58, we spoke with Dr. Bonnie Stelmack, who is a professor at the Faculty of Education in Educational Policy Studies at the University of Alberta. Now, she talked uh, a lot about community. Now, A, what does a community mean? What, is, uh, what does it mean for a school in terms of a rural school versus an urban school? We talk a lot about that. How do we contribute to a sense of belonging to this community? She talked a lot about that. We talked about the effect of technology and the effect of different policies or decisions that people make to try and build community and whether they're effective or not. And uh, I felt like she had uh, some really good ways or um, lessons and tips that schools might go about ensuring that the community, the parents, the grandparents, everyone involved, the stakeholders of a community, of a school, feel like they actually belong and that they are known. And that is the number one takeaway that I I had from, from my interview and my conversation with Bonnie. How do people feel known? How do we ensure that when someone walks down the hallway, they feel like people recognize them, appreciate them, 
and are known to the school community. And that was really interesting. Her uh, personal expectation or personal, what she shared, her findings, was that technology is not a great way to do that. It is by actually seeing them, calling them by their first name, and uh, having a conversation with them. So that was some really good stuff. Our last interview of the year was with Scott Anuchko, who recently won the Prime Minister's Teaching Award uh, for Teaching Excellence. And uh, Scott talks about communication technology, which is not, you know, communication technology for the use of communication, of communication, but rather the name of the course that he teaches. So yeah, he teaches a course all about how we may communicate better in different means with technology. A, the course is rather interesting because I think it's quite progressive, but B, how he delivers that course is also quite progressive. Imagine a course where you've got, you know, 30 plus students all working on different modules at different times and working on projects that are particular to them. So managing that and being okay with that whole process was something that we talked a lot about. Also, we talked about the idea of teaching creativity, which I really appreciated. And he had a particular focus on we, how we might be able to do that and how creative creativity um, has a process where you can follow some steps to, to, to get into a situation where you may be creative. It is a process, just like a scientific process perhaps, that we can use or that we can copy and then we can put our own spin on things. And so I really appreciated the idea that, yes, even uh, lumps like me might one day be able to be creative. And so I really appreciated that. You know, that's our uh, list of interviews that we did this year. And I thanked our listener. I thanked you already, but I also need to thank all the people who agreed to come on our show. Um, as you know, we are a nonprofit organization. Uh, we don't uh, accept money. We don't do advertisements and we don't pay any of our guests either. And so when we go out there and ask, they have full rights to say, no, we're not offering them anything monetarily. They're just sharing their knowledge for the betterment of our society. And that's what these people did. They all took a little bit of time to be able to speak with us and to hopefully um, help you to be better. And so all of our guests, thank you so much. And we look forward to all of the other interviews that might come forward. Now, 2020 is shaping up to be another great year for intersection education. We've got uh, a whole bunch of interviews already planned and and, uh, already recorded, just waiting to be released. And uh, we're expecting uh, a great docket and a great lineup of, of interviews again, focusing again on how we might be able to be great school leaders in Alberta schools and how we might be able to improve our practice gradually over time, and in different aspects. We want to thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your continued subscribership. And you can always reach out to us at Intersection Education uh, on Instagram and Twitter. We have our website, intersectioneducation.com. And we would really love to hear from you. If you've got a little bit of time, we'd also really appreciate it for you to rate us on iTunes. Helps us get the word out and uh, maybe even talk to some of your friends about this uh, episode or this podcast. Uh, Tell them what you've learned and uh, maybe ask them to subscribe as well. So that's all for right now from the Intersection Education Podcast. Wishing you all the best in 2020.